speaking about the luxuries that USC has, we're, I had an ID card and I could swipe in to go to the gym, the Galen Center, mm-hmm. go to our locker room and had access to the gym at all times of the day and night. And so I would, I'd go in at midnight and serve 200 balls, turn the lights on and slam as many balls as I could trying to fine tune some things. Or if I couldn't sleep or if I'm studying, I'll study for a test, take an hour break and go set or do something. And so a lot of these things, I was able to learn, I guess, learn how to go above and beyond, but, you know, experience that without having a little nudge of like purely that being my own um, intrinsic motivation. And it was something I was proud of. And it was something I didn't really talk about or even want people to know about Yes, because, because, because then you're going to start doing it. <laughs> yeah. I don't want you to start doing it. I want to be the only one that's working this hard and fine tuning it. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back, everyone, to the HNL Movement Podcast. Thank you again for joining me for another week. Any of the new listeners out there, you're in the right place to hear a lot of guest interviews, stories, and tips to help you to elevate your performance. All of the returning listeners, thank you again for joining me for another episode. If you haven't heard some of the previous episodes, check it out on Apple Podcasts or all of your favorite podcasting platforms. I've also been putting up video highlight clips on my YouTube channel of all of the great guest interviews, some of the solo topics that I cover, and it's a great way to match some of the video content to the audio. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast and share all of your favorite episodes that you take some gems away from with family and friends. I'm really excited to release today's episode with a great guest. It was very fun recording this, hearing some of the stories, the experiences, and we have none other than Michael Christensen on the podcast today, and he has a wealth of experience, knowledge, and lessons that he's learned throughout the years. It's also especially fun for me when I hear different perspectives or sides of the story, and we've heard some snippets from Kupono Fei. Tui, Larry Tuileta, about some of the experiences that they've had with Micah, playing volleyball with him, and growing up in general around sports. Micah needs no introduction, and I don't want to take too much time because there's so many things that we touched on in this episode. So let's just jump straight into it. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the HNL Movement Podcast. This is a great episode that we've been looking to put together for a long time now. And we have, I will say, hands down, the best setter in the world. We have Micah Christensen on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, man. It's, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, you know, everyone from Hawaii is very proud and sees all of the great things that you have done through your career. And before we get into all of that, let's start briefly. What was your childhood like? When did you start to play sports? And we'll touch on this a little bit more too, because you are Kupono Faze first cousin. So there's a lot of competitive spirit and a lot of things that you guys share, uh, not only when you were growing up, but even now to this day. So share a little bit about your childhood. Yeah. Um, 
I guess you could say I was kind of born into sports a little bit. My parents both played collegiate ball at UH Hilo. My dad playing basketball there and my mom playing volleyball there. And both being fairly successful kind of in their sports during their primes before career-ending injuries and this and that. So I was around uh, a, a lot of balls, let's say, volleyballs, basketballs, golf balls, that I, you know, from a young age was introduced to sports, whether it be, you know, I have a lot of memories of just like a little basketball hoop in our, in our living room. And we just play on it over and over again and shooting around and just, um, it was kind of normal. So I didn't really know much else, but, and that kind of instilled a little bit of competitive spirit in me. And I think my parents um, did a very good job of pushing me in that direction, not pushing me, but guiding me in that direction mm -hmm. of, I bet you can make another one, you know, little, little jabs and this and that. And I fed into it. And so I, uh, to this day, I, I credit that a lot to where I am today in terms of my competitive spirit and kind of the internal intrinsic motivation to kind of get things, get better and do a, do a little bit more. And so from a young age, it was a lot about sports. It was a lot about just enjoying, enjoying the competition and enjoying being surrounded by different sports, trying all the different kinds of sports. That's great. And that's how most athletes, you know, start off like before you even realize what competing actually is, you're in it, you know, in some environment, whether that's with your friends or your family. And thinking back on that, when did actual competitive sports start for you? Yeah, I mean, I think the word competitive is relative, right? Because <laughs> like, okay, you have organized sports where you're where you're competing, let's say, but it's all about having fun and, you know, making friends and it's a social, social deal. Um, but I bet you I started as young as you probably could have when you signed up for AYSO soccer or KBA. It was KBA Kailua Basketball Association. I grew up in Kailua, so I was playing KBA out there for a while in the eight-foot rims. I was more, I mostly just played basketball growing up. Um, obviously dabbled in a lot of different other sports, but basketball was kind of my main sport um, that I contributed most of my attention to. And I think Kupono can say the same. Like we grew up playing basketball quite a bit together, not necessarily on the same team because I was a little bit older, mm -hmm. but in the, in the driveway, in the backyard, playing mostly on the same team, which is hilarious. Like, you know, we're competitive, this and that. But we were like, no, 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 I'm Kobe, you're Shaq. And we're just like throwing each other alley-oops the whole time and being hilariously on the same team that you think about it because, you know, you want to compete, you want to win. But we wanted to, to be on the same team against imaginary defenders. And then so that, and that was, we did that for hours. Yes, that definitely um, memories that no one can take away from you guys. And thinking about, so basketball was your main sport. I actually did not know that. What other sports did you play just growing up as a child? Um, well, I played, I played basketball. I played soccer growing up. I played, I did junior golf as well at Olamana golf course. I did some football, some flag football at Kahala. I think those were kind of the main sports, never really baseball, but, um, I did volleyball. I probably started competitive volleyball, like for real kind of volleyball at when I was 13, Okay, like club volleyball, but 
my mom and dad played in adult tournaments, mostly my mom, but my dad as well. But so we'd go watch my mom play and my dad and myself would be on the side peppering or once again, competitively seeing how many we could consecutively get in a row together. And just, I have memories of that, that being kind of my first volleyball memories was rallying at my mom's games on the side or, you know, when sets finish or the games finish running on the court, trying to play a little bit. And it's just being a kind of a little gym rat um, when I could, that was kind of my first memory of volleyball in particular, but a whole lot of, whole lot of different sports and, and uh, experiences. And I'm super glad that I was able, I was afforded that, that opportunity to play a lot of different sports. And I think it's contributed a lot to different, also mentalities, also different strategies, but also just coordination in general. That was my, my follow-up question, but you just explained it a little bit there is that a lot of these athletes, you know, growing up in Hawaii, we're exposed to good weather all the time. You're playing outdoors all the time. And we typically play, you know, sports year round, different sports. And that's one thing I think every single Hawaii athlete I talk to is that that versatility of being exposed to all these different sports, right? From soccer to golf, all of these things. It not only, like you said, uh, contributes physically, but also mentally. And, you know, you get a different perspective of how to compete, I think. And that's one of the, the things that I think you take away from all of that the most. Now, I know you said that you focus primarily on, on basketball, but when you were starting to pepper in volleyball and, you know, get more into it, was there a natural interest for volleyball? Did you ever imagine that that would be or turn into your primary sport? Oh gosh. At that time, no. At that time, for sure, no. Um, I was all about basketball. I had some success at a young age playing basketball. You know, I was playing with Taylor Crabb, Henry Cassidy. I don't know if you remember who that was. Mm-hmm. He was an All-American Libro at, at USC. Mm-hmm. Henry Cassidy. Um, my kind of club team that I grew up with was the Hawaii Warriors. Mm-hmm. And we basically won everything that you could at, in, on the island. Our team was made up of probably half the all-state team in in uh, in high school. So we were we were quite successful, and we stayed together. We were kind of a core for a long time. Trevin Tulungari, Kainoa Sheer, kind of the list goes on. And Andrew Skolman, gosh, I, I'm just remembering now. Kind of our our team was was stacked, yeah, yeah. and so that was you know success kind of encourages coming back for more, right? So. It was a lot of fun growing up playing playing basketball with a core group of guys that you started with when you're eight nine years old and what you know stayed with all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. So that was that was my experience for basketball quite a bit and volleyball crept in in the later years. Um, when I started playing club at 13, I was I had some success just being around volleyball a little bit gave me a little bit more of an edge um, for those you know for some of my peers and I was one of the taller guys in mm-hmm. Hawaii as we know Hawaii is not vertically uh blessed <laughs> yeah. as we can we might say so I was one of the taller players um on my team always and so I started playing club and I was always outside hitter right because taller mm-hmm. guys you usually put there and I had some good ball control so I, I did that and then my first, one of my first coaches was Larry Tuileta, Tui's dad. Got it. And it was Tui's team. And he goes, you're going to be our setter. I was like, oh, coach, 
come on. What are we talking about here? I don't want to be a setter. Like I want to, I want to be, I want to kill them. I want to make points, you know, yes. I want to score all the points. And he was like, no, 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 trust me. You're going to be our setter. Like you understand the game or, or we want you controlling the ball, this and that. And I was like young and naive. And I was just like, no, come on. Like I'm, I was bummed. <laughs> what age was that? It's 13, actually 13 oh, or 14. Got it. Yeah. 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 So, so I started playing setter and, you know, kind of like a six, two, when you're, when you're growing up, you mm-hmm. younger age, not really hitting back row, not really attacking the balls from the back row. Mm-hmm. So, so I was able to hit in the front row and set in the back row. And that, that, um, experience, I think helped me a whole lot. Um, even now just to understand attacking the ball a little bit more as a, yep. as an attacker, but also, having that perspective as a setter, I think is, is super valuable. Then I started to have a little more success in volleyball. I was encouraged to try out for the USA high performance team, which is kind of their pipeline to, you know, what Mm -hmm. they say is pipeline to the national team. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is um, a long shot, but it's still, it's that, it's that pipeline system. And so I was super nervous, super scared to go try out. And then who was it? It was Tino Reyes encouraged me to do that. Tino Reyes, you know, old uh, assistant for UH men's volleyball team, father of Jalen Reyes, who is now coaching collegiately for the girls. And so I tried out and I made the team and I made like the select A1 team, right? Which was one, one of the highest teams you could be on. And so then kind of a light bulb switched a little bit and it was like, maybe this volleyball thing can be an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then the next year I made the youth national team where it was like either 18 or 19 and under. Okay. And I was 16 Got it. and it was world championships. And this was, um, let me name some names on this team. It was Taylor Crabb, Taylor Sander, okay. Josh Taylor, Maurice Torres, Henry Cassidy. So it was like a, guys that had very successful collegiate careers as well and also professional careers. And so I was, I was able to compete with them and I was starting with them and going to the world championships. And I ended up being probably the, actually I was told I was the youngest American ever to compete at a world championships. Got it. At 16 years old. And so, I mean, I mean, it's a 19 under champion world championship, right? It's not super, it's not the national team, Mm -hmm. but it was a little, idea a little a little spark of like oh maybe this volleyball thing can be it be a career rather than a second sport yeah. that is you know tailing basketball a little bit that's crazy to hear and so all of this success was kind of early on because like you said you didn't play club until 13 13 years mm-hmm. old and then you think about it just two three years in the mix you're competing at the world championships right and you're starting and you're the youngest player there to compete compete for the u.s so all of this kind of happened so fast now if you look back on it what do you think helped a lot of that success especially early on in high school well i think i'd be remiss not to credit uh my coaches you know coach larry Tuileta. Um, Tino Reyes, Charlie Jenkins. Gosh, I played for Mike Among a little bit. And just, I was able to kind of soak up a lot of volleyball knowledge from a lot of mm-hmm. 
veterans of the game, let's say, and learn from a lot of the greats. And I was also able to compete at a, an age level and a, and honestly, a skill level that was greater than mine. So it was a little bit of a sink or swim opportunity and take your lumps, mm-hmm. but find a way to compete and find a way to almost exist on the court and mm-hmm. earn your spot rather than, okay, this is a little bit above my pay grade. Let me go down and play with my own age group. Mm-hmm. It was, okay, I'm not as athletic as these guys. They're a little more physically mature, but there's different ways that you can survive and even thrive on the court. And so that helped me develop there when I was able to play kind of with Hawaii people in general, at least when I was growing up, it was like, you go to the mainland, it's like big dudes. And like normally, normally a little bit more physically mature than you as well. Like even developing a little quicker. Mm -hmm. So I definitely don't jump as high as these guys. (laughs) I definitely uh, am not as tall as these guys. So I have to figure out different ways that I can succeed. And so I think that was a huge learning experience for me that, you know, obviously contributes to where I am now, but it also allowed me to come back to high school volleyball, like we were talking about earlier and apply different techniques that I didn't necessarily need to in high school because I was now, now I became the tallest guy and one of the more athletic guys. So then it allowed me to be a little bit more complete of a player Mm-hmm. while still having some um, advantageous physical attributes. Yes. But I played outside hitter when I was in Hawaii throughout my oh, got high it. school. Got it. high school, I played outside hitter. So only when you were playing with the national team, that's when you were setting? And national team and club, I was setting. And then high school, I was outside hitter. Got which it. Which I loved. I was, I was stoked. <laughs> yeah. That'll give you your little fix so that you get, you know, you get all of the fun. You don't have to be the one delivering the assist. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about, obviously you had a lot of success at Kamehameha schools and leading into your senior year, what was that recruiting process like briefly? I'm sure that you were on the radar of many big time schools and you can explain how you chose SC briefly and what that process was like for you. Yeah. Um, gosh, well, it's, a, it's funny you mentioned kind of ha- having success at Kamehameha. It's, uh, through volleyball, we took um, some big old lickings from Punahou for my entire career until my senior year when these kind of once in a generation, if not many generations, dream squad graduated, thankfully. So hilariously, um, there was tempered success through my volleyball career over there. But um, going into my senior season, I had already committed to USC. And so my junior season was kind of the, the deciding year, right? And so I obviously had some decent exposure with being on the youth national team and being a starter for them at a young age. And so that voted well for me. Um, our club team was also successful. Um, and so we had a lot of eyes on us at, at, at what was JOs and now as nationals. I was very fortunate to have that opportunity and to kind of make the most of it. You know, a lot, I think I'm a firm believer in 
everybody's going to get some type of opportunity. Maybe it's only one time. Maybe it's for a very little short amount of time and maybe it's one day, but you got to be ready. You better be ready for it because if you're not ready for it, it'll pass you up. Mm -hmm. And so if you're ready for it, you're going to, it's going to skyrocket you most more often than not. And so I was very fortunate to have that opportunity and we'll get into that even later uh, with the national team. I think that's, um, that's more evident when, when it comes to the national team story, but then the recruiting process started. I had a call from Penn state, Mark Pavlik, and he goes, you know, we'd love to have you. And I was like, coach, I appreciate it. It's too far away from home and it's too cold and this and that. And I'm like, and he was like, okay, respectfully, I get it. And so um, that for me was just a little bit too far. Obviously Hawaii is, is has a special place in my heart. Um, but I had a conversation with my father too, deciding for deciding about colleges and even getting maybe even before colleges started coming and calling was you, Micah, you basically have to get a full ride or you're going to KCC because it's good. It's yeah, it's, it's not as easy or, you know, obviously you go through the student loan route. And so that made my decision a lot easier when teams said, okay, we can give you 50% or we can give you 80%. And respectfully, um, I'm trying, you know, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for a full ride. And if it's not available, you know, thank you so much for your interest, but um, I'm going to keep kind of testing the market type of deal, right? Business talk a little bit. So it turned out to be kind of the Penn State, SC, or Santa Barbara. Got it. And those were kind of the, the three full ride opportunities that I had. And Penn State ended up being a little too far away. Mm-hmm. And SC to me stood out so much because of the incredible power that a degree from SC has. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, you know the incredible athletic program, what was a very strong volleyball team at the time as well. And so it was kind of the full, the full package for me that really sold me. It was one of the things that I had discussed with my parents when it was, when I was deciding what college to go to, it was Micah, if, if you have a career ending knee injury, your first day of practice, what degree is going to set you up for the best future that you can get? And for me, that was an easy decision. And SC was that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm super happy to have that perspective and have that guidance because all too often, unfortunately that happens and that can happen. And maybe I don't have any, any injury or any type of injury for that matter, but I just fall out of love with volleyball mm-hmm. and where does, you know, where does your degree take you? And so I'm super proud, um, to have my degree from USC mm-hmm. And it was, it was one of the better decisions of my life, for sure. There's so many great messages there for all of the athletes, right? Because that's so true. Like, yes, you're, you're an athlete, but you're a student athlete. So you have to take care of the academics, the student side of it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but your major too, you're a bio major? Human biology. Human Human biology. biology. Yeah. Not as science specific as biology, but yeah. But human biology major too. And even that, you know thinking about the academic side, you know, what is that going to provide? Not only if you should happen to end your career early, but even after that, right? So that's very good perspective for any of the younger athletes when they're thinking about what schools to choose, right? There's a lot more to it than just the 
the sports side, I think that's obviously the heavy weighted influences or factors, but you have to take into consideration everything else too. And you're going to spend wherever you end up, hopefully all four years. Right. So that's interesting how you came to this decision. You being at SC, I'm sure that influenced a lot of other Hawaii kids. And we heard uh, Tui's story about his um, recruiting journey, talking to you and Kupono, but you know, it was great to see all of these Hawaii athletes at the time doing big things in the collegiate division one level. Right. So briefly, because I do want to talk about more your national journey and your professional journey briefly, what was the experience like at USC? And I know that's trying to sum up a whole lot in a little while, but what was the experience at USC? Um, man, it was an incredible experience. You know, like I, I felt it was important for me, you know, growing up in Hawaii, super close to family, family is so important to me, but I felt that it was an opportunity to be able to be a little bit more independent and get to know myself a little bit more, you know, in in that regard. And so I was close to home, but still away from home. Mm -hmm. And so that allowed me to make a lot of personal discoveries. Um, It allowed me to mature and grow up a little bit. And so, you know, I made some lifelong friends there. Um, my the best man at my wedding, I met at, at SC and played four years with. And um, just, it was an incredible experience for me because obviously volleyball, okay, we'll go into the athletics. Like the athletic program is absolutely incredible. Um, they take care of their athletes so much. There is so many things that you're set up uh, to succeed. And if you are diligent, if you are, if you work hard and you use the resources that are available to you, it's impossible to fail. Um, and that's just, you know, an advantage and, and just a fortunate thing that USC, which is funded by a massive football team and a massive football history, um, is afforded. Um, and sports like men's volleyball, and I mean, let's be honest, every other sport benefits from having a successful, rich tradition in football. Mm-hmm. And so we're fortunate to be able to, to have that experience. Um, but when it comes to just overall maturity and, you know, self-development, I think it was a huge step for me. I was able to work. When we're speaking about athletics, I was able to get out of my shell in terms of having not having my parents there to say, you should probably go practice a little more. Or what do you think about this? What do you think about your game? It was a lot of self-evaluation of I could work on this. I need to work on this a little bit more. And I could really be special at this, but I need, I need to put X amount of hours in. And so, you know, speaking about the luxuries that USC has, we're, I had an ID card and I could swipe in to go to the gym, the Galen Center, go to our locker room, and had access to the gym at all times of the day and night. And so I would, I'd go in at midnight and serve 200 balls, turn the lights on and slam as many balls as I could trying to fine tune some things. Or if I couldn't sleep or if I'm studying, I'll study for a test, take an hour break and go set or do something. And so a lot of these things I was able to learn, I guess, learn how to, go above and beyond, but, you know, experience that without 
having a little nudge of like purely that being my own um, intrinsic motivation. And it was something I was proud of. And it was something I didn't really talk about or even want people to know about Yes, because, because, because then you're going to start doing it. Yeah. I don't want you to start doing it. I want to be the only one that's working this hard Yes, and fine tuning it. Yes. No, that's, that's crazy to hear. And you know, that's what separates, you know, just being good from being great. Right. It's all of those little extra things that you do, uh, not only with practice and in volleyball, but, you know, taking care of yourself, taking care of all of the other responsibilities too. And that's things like, you know, just hearing you say it. Yeah. It's, it doesn't matter, you know, if people know that or not, because you know, intrinsically that this is what's going to make you better. Right. On that note, I do want to talk about, so what was like, you know, they're, volleyball demands like through college because you're still playing on the national team and you're going through a whole collegiate season and you're doing all this extra work and practices right so briefly explain what was that like and you know obviously your work ethic helped helped your development tremendously but what was the demands on your schedule you know were you able to come home during during break sometimes and enjoy some time off what was that like yeah gosh okay let's i'm gonna kind of go chronologically here Okay. In terms of um, how the, how my collegiate experience started and then kind of blended into the national team and finish. So freshman year, I come in, we have Tony Chirelli, national player of the year that year. I end up being the freshman of the year. We get to the national championship game. We get, we, we get beat um, in the national championship game my freshman year. And incredible year, right? We set a bunch of records, consecutive wins, this and that. And I have a, a breakout year in my freshman year. I can say quite confidently riding the back of Tony Chirelli. He was, yeah, collegiately just a beast. And so he graduates. We graduate our two co-captains, um, a lot of our veterans. And my sophomore year comes around and we, and I end up having personally my worst um, win and loss season ever. Mm-hmm. I think we were like six and 16 or something like that. And, you know, coming off playing in the national championship game to just struggling, man. Like I was going back and forth on how I, how I could do better. Um, we just weren't as talented. We were still, we, it was kind of a rebuild year. And so I was working extra hard. This was, <laughs> this was kind of that, uh-huh. that time, that time period. It was me trying to figure out how I could contribute to the team. I know I'm, you know, I'm not going to score a whole lot of points because I'm a setter, but how can I score points? Okay, well, I can serve the ball. That's where I control everything. Mm-hmm. I got the ball in my hand, and once that whistle is blown, it's me. It's an individual skill. And so I tried to work on that. And um, it was a lot of ups and downs. It was pretty discouraging mentally and emotionally, but also taught me probably more than any year of my entire career on how to continuously be diligently working hard um, to not let circumstance and outcome affect the present and what you're doing today to make you better. And so that constant battle was with me of like, no, just work hard today and tomorrow it'll show or the next day it'll show. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not the next day, but it'll, it'll be worth it. And so speaking uh, to that point, the season ends, I'm just like, all right, let's get, we're done with that. Let's get to the next one um, and let's do better. Mm-hmm. 
And so the season ends and my coach gets a call and he goes, John Sprott just called me and um, wants to talk to you about possibly coming in the gym. And I was, that was the answer to my prayers, if, if you may, mm-hmm. or that was the, that was the light at the end of the tunnel of, mm-hmm. oh, so this is what all that hard work was for. Mm-hmm. I w- because I was, I was taken aback. I was like, I just had probably statistically the worst year of my career. How, why is he calling me? Mm-hmm. Why would I even be considered? I thought that this was a failure. And so basically I get on the phone with him. We're talking about it. And he goes, I'm, I'm going to try these three setters out for world league. And if I haven't found my hundred percent starter for this next year, this was 2013. So this was after the 2012 Olympics. Okay. If I haven't found my concrete starter, you can come in the gym. You can keep score, shag some balls and do something. I don't know. Be around it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So world league goes by. I have like, my last vacation ever, let's say. Got it. This is, this is, this is for me personally, this is known as like my last vacation because it was my last like half of a summer free. And so uh, I get the call from John World League finishes and he goes, uh, you know, still looking and we'd love to just have you come in the gym. And I was like, cool, whatever you need, I'm down. This is my dream. Just give me an opportunity and I'll be ready. And so... I'm in the gym. We got, it was Kavika Shoji. It was Brian Thornton. It was Kyle Caldwell. We're kind of the three uh, mainstays. I was in the gym for about a week or two, shagging balls, keeping score, wiping up the court. But I was, I was stoked. I'm like, we got Reed Pretty. We got Matt Anderson. We got Rich Lamborn. Clay Stanley was in the gym, but Clay was rehabbing. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, this is sweet. Like I'm just learning, watching, mm-hmm. If I get to play, awesome. If not, I'll, I'll pay my dues, you know? And it just so happened one day, either Kavika or Brian couldn't make practice. They had some obligation. Kyle Caldwell sprains his ankle. And so I'm sitting there freezing cold doing score. <laughs> and then like, I'm looking around and I, I see him sprains his ankle. I'm like, okay, he's a setter. Um, looking around, uh, there's no other setters. Looks like it's me. So I started like warming up. I, I mean, I'm young. I don't need to warm up. And I'm 19 at a time. And I'm just like, all right, let's do it. Like, let's go compete. Mm-hmm. And I ended up coming in and competing. And, and I don't, I can't say I objectively set the ball well, mm-hmm. but I won a lot of the drills. I ended up winning quite a bit. And that left a mark in the minds of a lot of people, I think. And I didn't do it in a way that I was outgoing or stepping on anyone's toes. I was like, head down, play the best volleyball I can, compete, be myself on the court, but like know your place type of deal, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it was, I, re- I remember I tell this story, I've told this story a few times. I'm sitting next to Rich Lamborn, who was like pit bull of a dude, like jacked Olympic gold medalist. And he, he had kind of the stern role on the team. He was, he'll tell you how it is. And so I'm stretching next to him after practice. I'm like, Hey Rich, like, what can I get better at? Like, tell me what you see. I know you've been around the game so long. What can I get better at? And he would, and I was like, let's do it. Like, let's take all that he's got. Like, uh-huh. let's get, I'm ready for him to just go down the laundry list. Hey. You, you stink at this. You get better at this. 
this and that. And he goes, and he was taking it back. And he goes, uh, you don't know, you don't find. I was like, that was <laughs> one of the biggest confidence boosters of my career mm-hmm. of like Olympic gold medalists, you know, guy I watched growing up and was an inspiration to me playing volleyball. So you're doing pretty well. And which, which was completely took me aback and, and caught me off guard. And so that kind of propelled me to realizing, Oh, I can, I can maybe compete here a little bit, even though I'm playing alongside or against Reed pretty Matt Anderson, Clay Stan, uh, David Lee, Russell Holmes, all of these Olympians, gold medalists at that. Mm-hmm. And so that was my introduction. That was my opportunity, my little opportunity. Um, when I didn't think I was getting it, I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't going to sleep the night before saying, all right, tomorrow's my shot. Uh-huh. It was, I hate to be cliche, but you, you stay ready. Yeah. Whenever, whenever that opportunity presents itself, if I, if I just sucked it up, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I get invited back, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe I get invited back, but to a lower team to go to some other tournament and not be kind of included with the A team. Mm-hmm. And so I accredit a lot of my national team journey to that moment and that I got lucky to get the opportunity I didn't get lucky because I, because I ended up, you know, I served five balls and they were all aces, tape aces that dropped in, like not that lucky. Yeah. I was lucky to get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And once the opportunity arose and presented itself, I took advantage of it. Yeah. That's, that's a crazy story. And that goes back to what you were saying, all that preparation before that. Right. And just staying ready because when the opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare for anything. Right. It's either you're Absolutely. ready for it or you're not. Right. And I think, all of those things. And sometimes that is what it is, right? Just being in the, at the right place at the right time and luck of the draw, but nothing takes away from the preparation that you have to put into that to actually perform. Right. And probably what you were doing, just head down and performing. That was just what you were practicing over and over on that note. I do want to touch on. So I think you're not giving yourself enough credit for the competitive nature in you from what I hear. (laughs) from Kupono and everyone. So you got to explain a little bit about, you know, when it's, when the lights are on and, you know, you're competing and you're in these situations, I know that's kind of what drives you to perform your best. Right. And I will just preface this by Kupono did mention one time that I think Hawaii was playing at SC. I don't know if it was at at SC. And then some of the Kupono's teammates were chirping at you a little bit. And Kupono was like, you guys better tone it down. You know, you're going to get, get you going to another level. But anyway, what were some of the things thinking about not only that, that one practice, but other experiences too, where the competitiveness in you just kind of elevated your game even further. I think it's just, I think a lot of it reflects on finding a way to win. Mm -hmm. and once when you're competitive when you're solely focused on finding a way to win Mm -hmm. you're not worried about what people are thinking of you or you're not worried about technical things even Mm -hmm. like I get out of my I I get outside myself when I'm competing and that helps me play better that helps my technique that helps you know you're fluid you're smooth Mm -hmm. and your mind is clear and you have one goal and it's to win. 
And so for me, when I get into sometimes waking me up because I'm thinking about different things yep. might be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And just to, just to clarify, nobody was talking to me. It was talking to someone else. And I got it. There's more <laughs> exception to that <laughs> yeah. because if you're going to come after somebody on my team, come after the big dogs, don't come <laughs> after the little, you know, but for me, when I get, and I have learned that that is a strength of mine over the years as I've matured and um, as I've l- gone through my career, I've learned that that's a strength of mine. And that's a tool that I use to get back to competing, get back to see the game through my eyes. Don't, I'm not feeling the game with my hands. I'm seeing it through my eyes. Mm-hmm. And once I'm there, I'm in attack mode, I'm aggressive. And those decisions are made naturally rather than, rather than, oh, well, maybe, you know, this guy's struggling, but, Maybe you know, that blocker is really good. So who do I set here? And then the and then all of a sudden the ball's on top of you. <laughs> yeah. And you don't know who you're setting. Yes. And then it's like, I don't care who gets the ball here. We're going to win this point. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously there's a ton of cerebral process and mental process that goes into decision making on the court, but that's all done in preparation. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that that for me. Like you, like you touched on before, your preparation prepares you for the moment to then seize that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And when that opportunity presents itself, I'm not, I'm not thinking at all. I'm competing. That's super interesting to hear you explaining like that because I can totally understand now when you get, you know, because sometimes you're thinking too much of the fine details, technique, you know, all of these other game time situations, right? And it almost like paralyzes you, right? Or makes you hesitate, right? And then you start to get in your hand and it starts to snowball, right? But it sounds like when you just get kind of in the zone, right? Everything else is just natural. You're just flowing. And the reason why that's interesting is because, you know, for some other athletes, it could go the other way, right? If they start to get too competitive and they start to get emotional, right? Their emotions sometimes, if you're not focusing, you're not thinking clearly, not fluid, right? That could backfire. But it's finding that sweet spot. And you hear it all the time in athletics when, you know, someone's like in the zone, right? Because things are just flowing. You're doing what you're practicing, pretty much just executing all of the things that you prepared for. So that's really interesting to hear how that kind of fuels your game or makes it a lot more fluid and you can actually play like how you know how to play. Now, thinking on along those lines, so going back to your college career and then now you're getting your opportunity slowly in the you know, world scene, the Olympic team, and explain how that kind of evolved and led into the, I want to say 2016 Olympics, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, that's my bad. I forgot to answer your question. No, no, no. Time. No worries. This is all great information. Okay. So I end up, after that opportunity, I end up kind of being maybe not a, the starter, but one of the two. It, it looks like I'm possibly on a travel team. And so we continue, we continue, we continue. I end up practicing a lot more with the first team or what seems to be the first team guys. And, okay, I make a trip to the Norseka tournament, which qualifies for Grand Champions Cup. And we're going into that tournament, understanding Canada is very good. And we're probably not, you know, probably not going to win. We're in a rebuilding year. We didn't have a great world league. 
Um, let's temper expectations. We're going to try to you know, get better, understand where we're at as a young team. I forgot a name. Um, Sean Rooney was all in this as well. Sorry, Sean. Definitely was one of the guys I was looking up to in that gym as well. And so Sean Rooney's on that team as well. It was him and Reed Pretty starting it outside, and Matt Anderson was first year um, as, as an opposite. And so we go to Canada, and we play this North State guy. I end up starting the whole tournament. I don't think we lost a set, and we end up winning the championship. And I get best setter and best server. Like this little 19-year-old kid, get, you know, uh, alongside some of the best servers in the world, in my opinion. And I end up, you know, outscoring them in aces and whatever. And so I'm fired up. And that, that boosted my confidence quite a bit because a lot of veterans, David Lee was like, dude, you're a setter. You are a setter now. Like you just earned it and showed what you can do. And so that was a big confidence booster. And so that qualified us for Grand Champions Cup, which about a month later, so th- at this time, I am now emailing my professors or my, um, gosh, what do you call it? The person that helps you, like, counselors or set classes up. Oh, yeah. advisor or someone. Advisor, exactly. Uh-huh. My academic advisor. There it is. Got it. Um, hey, it looks like I'm going to be gone for <laughs> the month of October. Can we, you know, what professors will be cool with that? What professors will not be cool with that? So we'll make me drop to class. Um, How many, uh, you know, classes can I do online or lectures can I watch online and submit different assignments, this and that. And so that was my first taste of college and national team stuff. And so we go to Japan, which is where World Cup well, Grand Champions Cup was. And this is, mind you, 2013. So we had just lost the Olympic quarterfinal to Italy. It's kind of a big upset. Um, Italy played an incredible match and upset us in the quarterfinal. And I, mind you, the year before, I'm with the junior national team at Colorado Springs watching the Olympics with the team, like studying them, like, oh my gosh, these guys are the most amazing players in the world. Mm-hmm. on a projector watching the Olympics with my peers. And next year I'm in the same room as I'm preparing to play against Italy. <laughs> yes. A revenge match. <laughs> and so we end up beating them in five and I'm playing. And that was like, wow. Like I could see like this was special to a lot of my teammates here who had just got bumped out of the Olympics mm-hmm. from this particular team with all of these players. This was special. So to be a part of that was awesome. Um, if, you, if you're not familiar, Grand Champions Cup is like the six best teams in the world like that qualified through their zones. Mm-hmm. So we qualified and beat Canada through Norseka, and we, we qualified in the Norseka region. Mm-hmm. And so we're doing all right. Like we play, it's a round-robin tournament. And we need to... Gosh, there's a whole lot of different layers. I hope I'm not <laughs> taking too much time. I'm talking no, no, much. this is great. But... This, this tournament with the old collegiate rules, I could take prize money. It was Got Operation it. Gold. So it was, and it. I, I, the prize money had to have been like, not that much, probably like $3,000 for each player or whatever. Got but it. for a college student, that is like a million dollars. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, boys, let's get this. Come on. 
And we end up needing to beat Russia, who are the Olympic champions, to get into the medal round. And so I'm like going to sleep, getting ready, and just like so fired up, dude. Reading about David and Goliath, all of these things. I'm ready. I'll never forget it. And and we go the next day, we get smacked 3-0 uh-huh. out of the out of the out of the metal. <laughs> so there goes my paycheck. There goes my there goes all of my dreams of extra guac at Chipotle. <laughs> but um it was a huge learning experience. And so that kind of propelled my collegiate or I'm sorry, my national team career and eventually my pro career. But throughout when I was training for that tournament, I was waking up at SC, I was sleeping at my apartment at SC, waking up at probably like five, five thirty, driving down to Anaheim, practicing at like eight, from like eight to twelve. So I had to schedule all my practices, or I'm sorry, all my classes um, after that, which is pretty normal when you're, you know, scheduling classes around your collegiate schedule. Mm-hmm. But I was ending up not practicing with USC for that month training for the Grand Champions Cup. Got it. Um, but that's kind of a dead time in university in college right you're doing mm-hmm. maybe two hours a week yeah. and so i drive down to anaheim which is about an hour drive r15 possibly hour and a half with traffic practice eat eat lunch as fast as i could drive back up lift at sc i would lift at sc right when i got back and then my classes started i think at two or three and so and then it was you know ending at eight or nine and then repeating so it was, it was a busy time. And I, I remember the USADA like doping agents having to come to my, my college apartment <laughs> at like 5am knocking on the door. I'm like, dude, what are you guys doing? And it's like, you're a part of the national team. You have to do these random drug tests. <laughs> so my roommates were not that stoked on that particular thing either, but it was a time consuming period, but gosh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Right. Like it's you're, I'm accomplishing one of my goals and I'm, I'm living out one of my dreams. I don't care if I don't sleep at all. Like, let's go, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And so it was a lot of on the road with the national team, submitting assignments and writing papers and this and that, but I mean, what an experience. What an care. experience once in a lifetime for sure. And for all of the student athletes, you know, this is probably time management to its finest right here because yeah, it's yeah. not only a student athlete now, now you have all of these other commitments with the U.S. team, right? And kind of I want to touch back on, like you said, in high school, right? You went to train for the U.S. team, right? And then you came back to high school ball and that's where you kind right. of got to practice different skills, right? Or bring back some of the tools that you've learned into kind of the structure of high school ball, which was a you know, different type of level, right? Different type of height in Hawaii and all of those things. So thinking about that same theme in college, right? Training with the Olympic team and then coming back to SC, what did that help you sharpen, I guess? Because now it's two different types of, I want to even say volleyball. No, it was. And that was, if you take that high school experience and you magnified it by a million, that was national team to college right and so oh man i was probably so annoying to all of my teammates in college because i'm just like i was a sponge up at on the national team i was like 
oh, wow, they're doing this and this and attackers are attacking this way and using the block. In college, it was like, just don't hit the block, like avoid the block and either hit hard and around it. But all of a sudden, national team, you're like recycling the ball and getting a free ball back if the ball is not perfect or using tooling the block. And it's like, guys, let me tell you about all these fun things, incredible things. We're going to be so good. And, and I, looking back on it, I was probably super annoying to all of them. I just like, there's a, come on, those are, that's read pretty. We can't do that stuff. <laughs> and it's just like a different, it's a, it was a different level, but at the same time, it was so exciting for me to be able to observe and learn and soak all of that stuff up and then try to apply it as best I could to some of my peers, but also to myself, right. Of just, how, what did I learn? And then how can I apply that? And how does that apply to the context of college ball? Yeah. Right. You can't always apply the exact, it's not cookie cutter. This equals this. It's all about context. And so, you know, what hitter is better in a medium pass situation, what hitter can handle a ball in medium pass versus we got to get them going a little bit in perfect mm-hmm. in perfect pass situations first. And so a lot of that, Gosh, I, that was like a, a thousand miles an hour learning process for me. And I was just soaking up everything and I loved it. I absolutely loved learning about volleyball. I still always, I watch volleyball all the time mm-hmm. and I love observing and learning and I'll never stop. But that was like <laughs> the doors just opened and I was just getting just fire hose of information in <laughs> yes. my face. Yes. And, and so there's so many good things that you said there, because the first thing I want to emphasize is the context, right? And this applies just to life. Like you can't grab something that works in one context and just expect it to work across the board, especially in sports. And you see this over and over and over again in sports where you see something from the professional level trying to be applied to a college team, right? Either the coach comes down and it's like, it doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work that well or whatever it is. Right. And even in life. And the second thing that I want to say is that for any, well, anyone that's trying to improve, I would say, if you don't have a moment in your life where you feel like you're drinking water from the fire hose, then I think you need to get into a situation that actually pushes you beyond your comfort zone and just absorb everything that's coming at you. Right. So there's all of those great things just being in this experience again, in this world, right. It helped you to figure out how to improve yourself. And I just think that you, that drove you even further than what, what you were, you know, doing before. Now, I want to say your junior and your senior year at SC. So how did that play out? And what was that part like (laughs) after coming off of that, you know, that, you know, disappointing sophomore year? Yeah. So junior year, we came back with a little more rejuvenation, a little bit, a little couple of different players, freshmen that came in and started for us that played really well. Um, And I was just uh, overflowing with rejuvenated energy things that I wanted to, to share with my teammates. And it was a process, right? Because I had to learn that context is important. And I had to learn and go through those growing pains of this isn't the national team and they're not, but you're also not playing against Mazursky or the Russian block, you know? So there's different things that it's just different and you can't have these same expectations and you, um, it's a whole different experience. So I had to learn that and it took a little while. 
so gosh, coming into my junior year, uh, that was after the my first year with the national team. So junior year, we do pretty well. I think we're competing. We we get to MPSF playoffs. We're I think we might have lost in the semifinals, but we we had a good year. Mm-hmm. We had a successful year. Um, and then I go back to the national team, and we're playing World League. And this is Taylor Sanders' first year now with the mm-hmm. national team, and Taylor's balling out. So it's me and Taylor, young kids. Matt Anderson on the left. Uh, this is when Reed Pretty had torn his ACL. So Taylor jumps in. And Sean Rooney and Taylor are playing on the left. Or Matt's on the right and Taylor and Sean are on the left. And we end up winning World League as a 20-year-old and a 21-year-old. And Taylor wins MVP. Taylor just has a gnarly World League finals. Our team and wins a million dollars. And this, mind you, is not the Operation Gold tournament where <laughs> collegiate players on the national team can take any money. <laughs> so there goes about sixty to sixty-five thousand dollars out of my pocket—not out of my pocket, but that I can't accept. Uh-huh. So that was a huge bummer. <laughs> and then, so we have a you know, instant, almost instant success mm-hmm. with the national team. We go to the World Championships. This tournament is when I can take some money. Because it's you know deemed by the USOPC, all of these mm-hmm. things. This tournament is specified where Operation Gold you can take some of the prize money. We end up doing pretty well coming back from this like crazy deficit in in pool play. We have an opportunity in our last match to make it to the final six, which is kind of metal round type of of volleyball. We end up losing in five. Don't make it to the metal round. We lose. We leave the money round. Let's say the money round. Because top six gets some prize money. Got it. We got seven. Got it. And so I was just, <laughs> ah, just hard, bro. Obviously, volleyball losing, yeah. worst part ever. And then you <laughs> come back to SC and you're like, dude, could have a little bit of extra cash in the pocket, you know? So <laughs> that was a, a hilarious 0 for 2 in the tournament opportunities that I had to get some money for college. <laughs> got it. Um, yeah, that was kind of a rinse and repeat um, in terms of coming back, having a ton of success, also with the national team, trying to, with another year under my belt in college, having the experience coming back from junior year, um, coming back from the national team. So now senior year, I have a little more um, awareness mm-hmm. of the situation, of myself, a little more self-awareness, and also just awareness of the situation in the context that we talked about of. Mm-hmm. This is what the situation is. And it's awesome. not the other one. And this is Tui's year as well. So this is when Tui yes. comes in and has a super successful year. Him and Lucas Yoder were our two outsides that that played super well. And we make a push for the end of the year. Throughout the whole year, we end up almost qual- making kind of the final four or could have been the final six um, and just uh, barely missing it. But overall, good season. Um, and so, gosh, that, that whole national team experience was a roller coaster. It was super unique being that I was starting in the national team. It wasn't like I was just in the gym. I was starting on the national team mm-hmm. for that since I was 19 and coming back to college and playing college and then going back to the national team and doing that for a handful of years, um, 
was such a unique experience. I don't know how many guys were able to do that, but I consider myself so fortunate to be able to have that experience and perspective on volleyball and, you know, even college volleyball. But after that, it was, we're, you're a pro now. And I had done, I had done, definitely done my due diligence in talking to all of these veterans, these consummate pros at how does professional volleyball work? What to expect? What are you, what to not expect? Got it. And so that helped me a lot with my first year, but boy, when you get thrown into those waters, you can't, not, none of that research doesn't much, doesn't much good. Yeah. Until you're, you're knee deep in everything that's going yep. on. And yep. so, I mean, you know, it's good to hear the story of how you grew at SC. And like you said, super fortunate to have this kind of unique experience, right? I know you're busy. I know it's late there, so I don't want to keep you you're on good, too, good. too longer, too much longer, but, um, Talking about, so you graduated from SC, I want to say 2015? Correct. Okay. So you had one full year of just kind of focusing on U.S. volleyball, national volleyball, leading into the Olympics, right? Yes. Yes. So I had one pro season before that. Correct. Got it. So thinking back, like, you know, in the, when you're in the mix of all of this, right? When was it, when did it click to you that, oh, I I think I'm going to try to pursue volleyball professionally like even outside of the u.s national team like professional volleyball when did that start to come in your thoughts i guess or into the mix okay so we can go back to when i was about 16 years old and that's when i made the choice to pursue volleyball and i Mm -hmm. said i have some opportunities in college for basketball some good opportunities but am i going to be on the olympic team for men's basketball less likely than I am for men's volleyball. Mm. And that was a goal of mine watching the 2018 win the gold medal. I was like, I want to do that. I want to be those guys. So I had made that decision to pursue volleyball um, collegiately when I was about 16 and still played basketball all the way throughout Mm -hmm. high school, all the way until I graduated. And then when I got to college, I started getting, more interested in professional volleyball, realizing that professional volleyball is like a viable career. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was, I didn't know much about it. I had no idea. I had my, one of my assistant coaches, my volunteer assistant coaches, John Shea gave me a hard drive with copies of the club world championships of that year and the following year. And so I end up watching these matches all the time mm-hmm. and learning about these international players. And there was no YouTube like matches really on YouTube at this time. Right. So it was like different. It was like volleybox.net. Yeah. It's like where you could find these matches, like a bunch of different, like it makes me feel quite old, <laughs> but I just started to fall in love with watching volleyball and learning and seeing all of these international players at a younger age in college. And, you know, admittedly also during class sometimes because I was just all over it. Uh And so, yeah, maybe cut that out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But for me, it was to be able to realize that it it was a possibility to be a career. And when I got to the national team and talking to these guys and being like, Oh, uh, so that's how it works. And so, I mean, to be honest, you have to you have to see financially is it worth it 
Mm-hmm. And so, okay, that's how much you make. That's how much um, so-and-so makes and, you know, other international players. And, oh, this can be very much uh, a feasible mm-hmm. career and not just a, a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And so learning about that, having that context um, in a professional arena was valuable for me. And then I forgot to mention, after my after we won World League, I had a chance to leave and play professionally, had a handful of offers after my junior year in college. Got it. Gosh, one of them, one of them's to the club that I'm at right now, which is, which was like the pinnacle of, of international volleyball because they had some problems with a setter that couldn't get a visa cleared or something. So he couldn't play and everybody else was signed except for me because I was still in college. And at this time, I had also received a very lucrative contract from a Turkish club as well. And I had, that was a process in deciding whether I wanted to leave and leave early, leave college early and go play professionally or stay and stay for my senior year. And that was a long process. It was a harder process, but I ended up making my decision to stay and being saying, all right, decisions made. And I think it was a couple days later when Zenit Kazan calls and says, and Matt Anderson calls and says, dude, we're looking for a setter. We want you. Got it. And it's going to be this much money. And I'm like, of course <laughs> I make the decision three to four days before I hear a number like that. And it wasn't, it was like, I made up my mind. Like I've, I've committed to this. I, I've made this commitment to myself and to kind of my family and my peers at this moment. And I'm going to honor that. And so, and so like if the timing was a little different, my, <laughs> my story could be mm-hmm. a little different as well, but finding out volleyball is a, is definitely a viable option after college, even if you're not on the national team. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not, um, you know, starting on the national team, obviously it helps, but to be able to play professionally and experience the world and do all things like that, um, it's, the, it, it, it's a viable option. And it's also so much more accessible than, than ever right now. Mm-hmm. You can watch almost every match of every league on YouTube, Yes, which is either replays or there's different subscription services now where you can watch high level best in the world pros mm-hmm. all every weekend. And yes. that is something that I'm super excited about for the volleyball community and the youth of volleyball. Mm-hmm. And I encourage American volleyball players to watch it and just, you don't even have to study it, but just watch it and enjoy it because <laughs> everybody else in the world is watching it and very aware and they're getting that up on us and we need to get it going. <laughs> yes. That's so crazy to hear you know, how everything has kind of transpired. And like you said, it's sometimes the timing of how everything kind of lays itself out that it makes your story, you know, what your story is and you've reached a lot of success with it. Now, the last question that I, or two more questions that we'll briefly go over is that, Okay, think about we'll have to do a part two of your whole professional career on one of these days. Oh, yeah, sorry, dude. Think, no, 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 this is perfect. But think about from um, when you graduated at SC, right? What what would you say you've learned the most in your professional career and with the US Olympic team? Oh man, that's a loaded question. I know that that could that's the whole this is the 
the preview to part two, but in, in yeah, like one yeah. or two things that you think you've grown or learned uh, from then till where you are now, you just competed, you know, in Olympics in Tokyo. So some mm-hmm. of the things that you think really helps to set up the next phase in your career. I think through my experiences in my professional career and national team career and collegiate career, I've gained a decent amount of Mm self-awareness in what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are, what allows me to be a better player, where I can tend to get lazy, where I, you know, necessarily don't need any more work Mm -hmm. or don't need any more attention to this particular thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even speaking technically, like, I don't need to be in the weight room any more than I already am because I'm already pushing my crazy. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. that might not be the case. But I think self-awareness in in many different aspects of that term is something that's helped propel my career to where it is now. I think I analyze myself quite a bit. I try to get better every single year, and I think I have gotten better every single year in my career. Um, because of that, I think I'm not afraid to tell myself that I need to get better in this particular facet of my game. And then not even volleyball wise, but just physically understanding, being self-aware of what my body needs, what my body definitely doesn't need. Yes. What, what things I need to stay on top of every day and what things that I need to stay on top of once a week. Mm-hmm. And that is so important for me. The best ability is availability at some point at some times. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if you're always injured, then that opportunity might not happen for you. Exactly. And so for me, it's, it's such a big deal for me to be ready and understand, even if I'm not hundred percent, I'm still available and I'm ready to play. Mm -hmm. And my 85%, is still good enough. And I'm going to, I'm going to find a way for that 85%. I may not be slamming aces, but I'm going to make you pass the ball way off the net mm-hmm. and I'm going to be precise with my serve. or mm-hmm. I may not be stuffing a hundred, a hundred balls because I'm flying out of the gym anymore, mm-hmm. but I'm getting great touches where our team's going to get free balls and let me get my hands on it. And we're probably going to score a point. We're going to kill that ball. And so I think, gosh, if I could sum it up, it's the term self-awareness, but mm-hmm. in so many different aspects of the game. Yes, that's and a life. great, that's a great answer. Yeah, and in life too, a lot of this translates over into just, you know, life and how we kind of pursue things. And the follow-up question to that is, if you had any message to pass on to, you know, younger athletes, doesn't matter if they're aspiring to be volleyball players, but just younger athletes in general, what are some of your words of wisdom with that? Mm, mm. yeah i think gosh that actually just popped into my head so i'm glad you asked um i think for me a huge part of my almost philosophy of sport is know your why Mm -hmm. and really evaluate your why and by what i mean by that is why are you doing what you're doing is it because you genuinely love it and it's your passion Or is it because other people think that you should be doing it and 
you are kind of interested, but you're doing it more for others than yourself. Mm-hmm. Because at some point, that's going to show up. It's going to it's going to show up, and you're going to be forced to make that decision. And I think having that self evaluation and reflection into why you're doing it is is essential in someone's career, but also just their path. Mm-hmm. Because the earlier you discover, earlier you discover that, the easier it is to change course. The low, or, or even, you know, even if you ignore it, and you really know that your why is somewhere else. For me, for example, for me, if I wanted to be a professional video gamer, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I did volleyball because I'm good at it. And people, what would people think of me if I left volleyball at this point to pursue my passion? Am I really doing myself any good? Am I really, first of all, myself, but also my peers? Am I, am I giving my teammates that are out there, hopefully giving it everything they have, trying to put food on the table for their family and doing this with everything they have? And I'm leaving a little bit off the table because I'm not really, really in on it. To me, you're doing a disservice to yourself. To me, you're doing a disservice to others around you that are actually doing it for with, with everything they got. And it's something that I'm extremely passionate about because I want everybody to be super passionate about what they do and love what they do and be super happy and successful about what they do. If you love volleyball 99%, but you'd rather do something else like and, but I need you on my team, you know, for example, I don't know. One of my, my star outside hitter on this club team is like, look, man, I don't, I, I'm really good at volleyball. I'm one of the best in the world, but I'm just not into it. And I like, great, go and pursue your passion because you'd probably turn out to be a detriment at the end of the day to yourself, but also to the team because you're not completely in on it. And I, ho- I hope and pray that everybody I'm around genuinely loves to play volleyball for my, and from my example, you know, in my little mm-hmm. career. And that for me, my why is I love volleyball. I love to compete. I love competing. It's fun for me. It's not like uh, I need to win. It's like I genuinely enjoy the challenge yes. and, and competing and the possibility of losing and the pressure. I love it. Yes. And then some of my whys turned into my family. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, part of that is having them being set up for their future, having that, you know, a lot of that evaluation of where I'm going to play next year uh, or the following year, my next contract is involving them. Mm -hmm. And so I still get to pursue my dream, but my why is also, you know, how, how am I, setting my family up to have the best life that they can in the future, but also in the present where, you know, <laughs> have a competent city where they can find an international school and mm-hmm. be happy. Yes. And all of this, everybody rewind it, listen to it, because this is for any athlete or even if you're not in sports, just finding your why and your passion that will go a long way, a lot further than you trying to, like you said, ignore it or, 
you know, do it for the wrong reasons, right? And I know we can talk for hours and hours more. We just hit the tip of the iceberg, which is expected with someone as much experience in your story career that you had. So we'll, we'll have to catch up one day on a part two. But I mean, overall, all of these great experiences that you've had, I can tell that you've grown a lot from them. There's a lot of things that you have taken to make yourself better. You know, it definitely was not easy for you. There was its share of obstacles, ups and downs and struggles and sacrifices. But all of, with all of that, that's what creates, you know, your passion, fuels your passion and makes you great at what you do. And we can say all of the people, you know, in Hawaii follow the Hawaii athletes and see all of the great things that you do. No matter what the outcome is, we know that you guys are giving it your all. So, you know, thanks so much for all of the hard work and representing the state well. But overall, any last words? I mean, I appreciate you had a full day of practice, work, everything, and you took the time to sit down and have a chat. So thank you for that. But any last words? Oh, man, I just thank you, Andrew. Thanks for the conversation. Honestly, it was it's a pleasure for me to be able to talk about this stuff and like mm-hmm. chat with, you know, people that are interested. But also, you know, I think you understand a lot of this stuff. So for me, it's a pleasure to be able to express and also relate or express my experience, but also my thoughts and relate. Mm-hmm. to um, some of those journey moments and some of those experiences is, is a pleasure. So obviously, obviously I've been talking for 95% of this. So I apologize on that. No, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to hear the story. And last thing let's uh, share. I know you have a deal with Nike, right? So share your clothing line, share your Instagram, any handles that you would like to share and whatever you want to promote to. Oh yeah, man. Thank you. Um, Gosh, my Instagram is mchristiansen11, and so is my Twitter. And uh, my clothing line stuff is there. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I don't really need to. I don't think yeah. I need to promote or want to promote, promote myself that much. Like, I'd love to promote what you got going on, man. This is awesome. No, thanks so much, and I'll put all of that in the show notes. But I don't want to keep you too much longer. I mean, I really appreciate it again. Thank you so much. No problem, man. It's my pleasure. Appreciate it. Well, I look forward to next time, Andrew.